This podcast is presented to you by the Young Adults Ministry of Faith Chapel San Diego. To find out more, please visit faithchapelsd.com. Listen, tonight's going to be a good night. We're going to be continuing in some stuff we've been talking about for the last little over a month and a half now, talking about true spiritual worship. So we're going to be in that topic. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know a couple quick things. I want to make sure that you have the Faith Chapel app. Download that bad boy. If you have not downloaded it yet, you're going to need the Faith Chapel app. It's got our sermon notes in there tonight, as well as archived videos and podcasts, things from the past. There's all kinds of forms. You can fill out prayer request forms or praise reports about things that God's been doing in your life. There's a lot of different detail that we could receive and we want to from you. So please do that. Make sure you download that app. And it's also a great place to give. So speaking of worship, we're going to dive into that soon, but uh, I want to let you know, thank you so much for your giving. Your generosity is phenomenal, and it continues to enable us to do great things within the community. For example, today we were able to distribute food to about 300 families here at Faith Chapel. That's food that we had to purchase, and so because you're faithful in the area of giving, we're able to go and to continue to do things like that. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. Without it, we cannot do those things. So sincerely, we appreciate Appreciate you guys. Thank you. You can give through the app. You can give at faithchapelsd.com, clicking on the Give tab, and you could also do so by texting to 84321, a dollar amount. So just text a dollar amount to 84321. Thank you guys so much for worshiping through that. By the way, I'm excited to get into that real soon here when we talk about worship. Giving is not like, well, the church needs to keep the lights on, and they need to pay the people. It's not about that. It's about your act of worship to King Jesus. That should be the first and prior and primary reason for why we sow into the kingdom of God. It is a seed sown as an act of adoration and worship to God. That's what it is first and foremost. So please, thank you for doing that. Of course, uh, as a secondary byproduct of those things, it's all of the other wonderful things we get to do. But as your act of worship to the Lord, we're going to talk about that very soon here. I know it's a somewhat controversial topic, but when you talk about it concerning worship, which is the primary gift of the dollar, man, it's a beautiful thing, and I think you guys will be sincerely enriched by it. So I'm excited to jump into tonight. Man, we're going to talk on our next part concerning our true spiritual worship series. This is going to be good. Why don't we pray and dive into this? Father, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. You're truly beautiful, and I just honor you, God. We thank you. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you, and we welcome your... your, your majestic presence into this house and into the houses of the people that are engaging with us, our Faith Chapel family. Bless them tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. And as we talk about what it means to be a warring worshiper, I'm asking God for grace for this not just to be things to talk about, but literally a revelation that we walk with every single day of our lives, and it would transcend the way that we see warfare in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was April 2015, and I remember I was going up to L.A. for an event. I believe there was a conference happening with our network, and I was driving up myself, and I was just passing Camp Pendleton, and I looked off to the left-hand side, and I had been worshiping God, you know, driving from down here and going up about that far. It's already been about half an hour, 45 minutes, somewhere in that time frame. So I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to listen to any podcasts. I'm not going to call anybody and talk on the phone. I just want to worship Jesus. So I just remember, you know, having my music loud and just worshiping God un, un, you know, relentlessly in the car and just 
just going after it, you know? And, and I finally get to Camp Pendleton. I look off to the left-hand side, and I see this battleship out there in the water. And literally, as soon as I look over, I felt this, like, rush of the presence of God come into my vehicle. Has anybody ever like experienced that? Those of you who are in the rooms, there's a couple of us in here. Have you ever felt that? Where it's just like whoosh, like the presence of God just comes. It's tangible. It's real. It's invigorating. It's, al- it's almost intoxicating, right? And so this rush of the presence of the Lord comes into my vehicle to the point where I literally said out loud, whoa, God, what was that? Because it startled me. And I I thought about it for a second, and as I looked back over and I literally said out loud, I said, what's the deal with that warship? And as soon as I said that, the play on words clicked in my head that it was about me worshiping God. But when I saw this warship, there there came this, this like revelation moment where God was almost like, hey, I'm trying to tell you something, knocking on the door of my spirit. Okay? And so, as I thought about this a little bit more, I I literally resonated in this the whole rest of the weekend. I was thinking about it. In fact, we went to worship that evening, and as we were worshiping, I was thinking about how my worship releases warships against the enemy of God. And during this time, I had been going through some spiritual warfare and different nature, and there had been some attacks on our life and attacks on our character and different things of that nature. And, you know, I had grown up a Christian, so I knew a few things, at least I thought I knew a few things about war, about warring in the spirit or about fighting the enemy. I thought I had some understanding about that. Literally did I know that what I knew was pretty antiquated. We'll get into that in a moment. But literally there was just this, this presence of God about warring. And he was speaking to me about how to war in the spirit through worship. Now this tripped me out even more. I remember gathering with the rest of the team, the Faith Chapel staff was there, and this was kind of a trip. Like the Lord was just speaking to me. And and so as he was speaking to me, the next day we went and we got our meals. And, and I've been thinking about warships. I've been thinking about warfare and all this stuff for like, you know, several hours now. It's been almost 24 hours. And it's lunchtime. The next day I get my lunch. We go, we're at this other church. We go into this youth area and we sit down and everybody's there. There's probably about 20 of us. Lugar de Encuentro was there from our, our Spanish congregation here at Faith Chapel, and then we were there, our Faith Chapel staff, and I sit down on this chair, and as soon as I sit down, I look down between my legs, and there's a warship. It was the, the, the battleship Monopoly piece from a game of Monopoly right between my legs where I sat down in this random place. I bent down and pick it up, and I like to be the battleship anyways when I play Monopoly. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm like, I'm going to blow you guys out of the water. So I'm always the battleship. But I picked it up, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I just felt like it was God showing off. Like, I'm just trying to get something across to you, Josiah, and I want you to, to know it. He's putting exclamation points on what he was teaching me. So he started speaking to me, and then not too long after this, uh, Ashley and I were talking about different things that the Lord was speaking to us about. And as we were talking about it, we had this chalkboard at our house, and she had the great idea of saying, you know what? I think I'm going to write down or draw a picture of the different things that the Lord is speaking to us during this season. And so this is what she drew. She drew this remarkable picture. You can see it on the screen. And, and there was a lot of different things that God was speaking to me. I had a dream uh, in this, in this uh 
during this time frame about me being in this battle in my backyard and I was picking up these weights and chucking them at this giant. I was like slaying this giant and there was a play on words about the weighty presence of God, which is the kabod glory of God and how I was slinging the weight or the presence of God at this, at this giant and he was getting demolished and that was coupled with this whole worship and warfare kind of thing that was going on. And so it was just this remarkable thing that the Lord was doing. My worship was releasing warships dispatched on mission to send spiritual ambushes against the enemy. And I was learning during this time that how I'd always fought the enemy was an antiquated way of fighting. You guys all realize that the way that we war nowadays is different than how we warred hundreds of years ago, right? Like we're not running against throwing spears and maybe doing some of the old ways we used to fight. How we fight nowadays is very different. And, and so warfare has, has grown. And so as a spirit man, as a Christian, I'm learning how to war differently. And I want to hope to give you some tools in your belt for how you can war differently. Because the reality is we still have an adversary. He hates our guts. He wants to destroy your life, but more than he wants to destroy your life, but by killing you, he wants to destroy your life by destroying your witness. He wants to come against your heart for God. He wants to come against your purpose in God, your destiny, your family, the things that he's put and purposed on the inside of you. He wants to destroy that. So if he can just keep you a musician and that's all you'll ever be, then the devil might just win. But the moment you let your musicianship become worship on another level, then all of a sudden you have another level of, of, of anointing upon your life that the enemy doesn't want. If you only are the provider of your home by bringing home the bacon and you, you work your job and you come home, but you never really step into a spiritual maturity to help raise your kids in something like that, then you're always going to be at face value. But the moment you recognize, you know, I'm here for more than this. I'm here to invest in my kids and my grandkids, to invest invest in my church, to invest in my city, to invest in, in discipleship into people around me, to invest in those that I have stewardship over, to invest in my boss, to invest in those that are under me at my workplace. Man, do you realize you carry the kingdom in that degree? Things are going to change. And let me tell you, the devil doesn't want that to happen. He wants you to stay apathetic. He wants you to stay complacent. But I'm telling you, if you'll rise above and recognize the authority that you have as a Christian and utilize worship as warfare against the enemy, you will succeed in dramatic ways. Hello? All right. So you cannot talk about worship and warfare without talking about Jehoshaphat's army. It's an incredible story, and I know many of you probably heard it before. Those of you who are joining us online, I'm sure you heard it before. Um, but if you haven't yet, you've got to read it. It's an incredible story, and we're going to pick through a piece of it, not for the point of just giving you the story, but we're going to pull some nutrients out of this tremendous story. It's found in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 1. Significant portion of Scripture for you guys tonight. You're welcome. After this... The armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites <laughs> declared war on Jehoshaphat. We're going to war. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you and from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at that place. This was another name for Engedi. I don't know how to say that word. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Let's pick up some qualities from Jehoshaphat's 
response. He, he first thing he does is he goes directly to the Lord for guidance. Did you notice that? He goes directly to the Lord. And then immediately he begins to move into personal sacrifice in order to hear clearly from the Lord. He's in a, in a tumultuous situation. There's literally armies declaring war against him. Now, I don't know if any army has declared war against you recently, but maybe you've been in a situation where something felt like it was coming against you. Maybe it was a, a legal opposition that somebody was coming against you. Maybe, maybe there was literally a physical threat on your life. There's been different things that we've maybe all experienced. But if that was the case, would you run directly to God first and foremost, or do we get into our carnal state? I love that Jehoshaphat's first response is to deny the carnal, carnal man in order to raise up the spirit man. In fact, hushing, or I'm sorry, fasting hushes the carnal man to fine-tune the spirit man. That's one of the main purposes of fasting. Fasting, It's hush, spirit, or carnal man. I got to learn to talk. Let's try this again. Hush, carnal man, and awaken the spirit man. So that's what he's doing. Then he does this. He prays. Let's jump down to verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for your help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Wait a second. They came with the whole family. All the mamas and papas in the house say, hey. I love that the whole family comes together. Let me just tell you, powerful things happen when we get united together as a family unit. The devil wants to keep us separate. He wants to even keep in, within the family us separated. Everyone's on their own device in their own room. <laughs> Instead of us truly coming together as a family unit. Honestly, this is one of the most beautiful things ever. It's the entire family standing together as one. Sometimes, you know, especially when we're talking about spiritual nature, we think that kids get in the way, and it's just easier to just tuck the kids away, especially when they're little. Let's just tuck the kids away in some room, give them some coloring things to color on, and throw some Cheez-Its in their face and call it a day. When little do we realize that our kids might be one of the greatest keys to unlock spiritual development within your life. So it's not about just tucking the kids away. It's about learning to bring the kids into the spiritual matters that are going on. I'm learning to do this more and more with my kids. We talk about it all the time. We talk about spiritual nature. We talk about attacks and the enemy, and we talk about God, and we talk about angels, and we talk about healing, and you know what? It's getting into their head, and sometimes I don't even ask for it to happen. It's just stuff they're catching. I was in my kitchen the other day, and I don't remember what I did. It was like I cut my finger or something, and I just went, ah, cut my finger. And out of nowhere, my, my son Judah, who's four years old, comes running up to me, and he grabs my finger like this, and he just says, Jesus, just heal him in Jesus' name. May his finger never hurt again. Amen. And then runs off. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just blown away. And needless to say, I actually started feeling better. And I was like, awesome. Now, whether I got, I got supernaturally healed or whatever, didn't matter to me in the moment. What matters to me is I'm like, yes, Judah, come on. Believe that the God who lives within you heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses the leper, and casts out devils. You have this on the inside of you, man. Go for it. It was amazing. So who knows 
when this happens, they, they all praying and the whole family's there. Who knows how long this pause was, but there was a significant pause. Look, it says, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives, and they're waiting for a response from God. And I don't know how long they were waiting for, but I have a question for you. How long are you willing to wait for the Lord to speak? How long are you willing to wait? You know what I've realized much of our Christianity? We ask God for something, we pray, we believe, or we demand, or we petition, or we declare, and if nothing happens in a matter of moments, we abort the mission. God, speak to me. I need direction. I don't know what to do. Okay, I guess you're not going to say anything, so I'll just do what I want. (laughs) And we move this way, and we get ourselves into a faulty relationship, or we make a a crazy move into something that's going to get us into trouble, or we keep doing funky stuff because we don't have the patience to wait on God to actually begin to speak. How long are you willing to wait? How serious is your endeavor, and how much do you want the involvement of God? I don't believe he's up there torturing you to just prolong things and say, well, I'm going to tell you in five years. I don't think he wants to just prolong things for the sake of prolonging it, but I think he's pulling faith out of us. And sometimes in order to get the faith out of us, it doesn't come in the first two moments. He knows if he waits two minutes or two hours or two days or two weeks or two months, more faith is going to get pulled out of you to actually see him do what you wanted to see him do. Hello? All right. So as long as it takes should be the answer. God, I want to hear from you. Let's go to verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel. His name means who looks to God. Son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen. Notice this is just a man speaking, okay? Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Mm, someone needs to print that and put it on a mug right now. Drink some coffee out of it. I'm sure it already is. You probably have it in your covenant right now. It's that good word we love. Oh, yeah, the battle's not mine, but it belongs to the Lord. Amen. Put it on a t-shirt. So good. It's good because it's true and it's honest, and it's real. But there's a couple things I want to pick out of this. When people take something up against you, they are also indeed taking something up against God, especially when you're in right standing with him. Here's what I feel like this is like. This is almost like God standing in front saying, oh, you want to mess with Josiah? Well, you're going to have to get through me. And my dad will punk your dad all day. All day. Our Father in heaven is the strongest, most powerful being in all existence. He's incredible, and he defends us. It's like with his kids behind him. Like, you got to get through me. I love that he defends us that way. So any quarrel you have with my family, you also have with me. Too often, I feel like we try to pick up our weapons and fight battles that we have no business being in. I know I'm guilty of that. I believe it's honestly, I I think we're more comfortable trying to take up our own arms and trying to solve problems instead of learning how to let God deal with them. I think we're pretty comfortable picking up our own offense or holding up a sign or yelling at a demon or voicing our opinion on social media. However you feel you fight, it's easier for us to do that than it is to simply worship the Father and allow him to fight our battles for us. Because we feel like we got to do something. 
We feel like we got to get in there and fight and put me in, coach. I'm ready for this. Instead of just saying, Father, you're going to handle that, right? Let me tell you, if you bring this into your marriage, instead of trying to win every fight that you get into, your life will be radically changed. All you who are married, you need to write this down right now. Instead of trying to win the battle with your spouse, just go and pray and go, God, you know he's acting crazy right now, and I don't want to choke him out tonight, so I just want to just let you fight that battle and just let you handle that. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, my wife prays for that kind of stuff for me all the time, and I'm trying to adopt it now because she, God keeps working on me. So now I'm like, yes, Lord, like help her with this, you know, and I'm going to God and things are changing, but she's near perfect, so it doesn't count. So anyways, adopt that into your marriage, life changing. Let me just help you right now. We always want to defend ourselves. We want to defend our stance. We want to defend our position. We want to attack our adversaries when all he's asking us to do is let him fight our battles. We just simply worship him. We hide in him. You see, we don't need to fight for him. Trust me, he's got this. Like, he's got it. Let me just help you. He's a big boy and knows how to defend himself. You don't have to get all crazy in your defense towards God. He's a big boy and knows how to handle himself. You and I have to learn to just lay our arms down and allow him to do what he does. Let's dive into this next little portion of scripture right here. This is verse 16. Verse 16. Tomorrow, march out against them. This is, again, this guy speaking prophetically. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeru. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. Hello, worship, like we've been talking about. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. What was their immediate response? Worship was their immediate response. As soon as the word of the Lord came, they drop on their face and they cry out to God, Yes, God, you got this! Something rose up on the inside of them that was convincing enough to believe, Oh man, I don't know, this seems like some shaky business. No, they trusted God and began to walk out faithfully onto a battlefield, mind you, where if you get it wrong, they kill you. So there's some skin in the game. Did you notice that this was a prophetic word spoken to the people? This wasn't like a voice came out of heaven and everybody heard it and it was undeniably God. They had to have faith in the prophetic. They had to have faith that this guy had maybe a reputation hearing from God, like his name meant, belonging to the Lord, hearing from God. They had to have faith that what he was saying was a word from God. They were all listening for it. So when God spoke, they put such stock into that prophetic word that they were willing to march against an army without weapons. It takes faith to do that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm not here to talk about prophecy a lot tonight, but I feel like sometimes we come with a condescending tone towards the prophetic. I feel like more often than not, when the Lord speaks, we sit back and we go, well, I don't know. 
And we'd rather write something off as not from God the moment that we hear it. And unless it's abundantly, overwhelmingly convincing that it is the Lord, we write it off. And I think we too often miss the word of the Lord. I'm not saying that everything that people say or, pro- or, or claim to prophesy is the word of the Lord, but I am saying that sometimes it is and we miss what the Lord may be saying and both are an error. So it takes faith. Verse 19. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Once again, their immediate response, a loud shout, praising God. Yes, you got this, Jesus. Come on. Verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Hey guys, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Notice he's saying, believe in the Lord and believe in the prophets. Why? Because they're standing out there on a prophetic word. That God said he's going to come and he's going to mess the, the, the enemy up. He's going to be there with them. And not to worry. Trust God. The battle is his. So they were standing on that prophetic promise. Believe his prophets, you'll succeed. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. I don't know about you, but that's not exactly a rallying battle cry. Give thanks to the Lord. Like, they're just going, like, worshiping the Lord. Spirit ribbons, spirit ribbon, you know, tambourine. And they're like, that's not like a war drum, you know, super gnarly where you're walking out like, yeah, where's Mel Gibson? Let's do this. Like, it didn't feel like that kind of a moment to me. They're just worshiping God. This was an expression of faith to God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 22. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Amen, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir. They killed every single one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. God turned the sword of the enemy against themselves. Come on, somebody. I want to say, I want to hear it. Amen. In your own heart and in your own mouth tonight about what the enemy is coming against you to do, you would sit back and say, no, nah, in Jesus' name, I'm believing that the enemy sword is going to turn against himself. And what he's come and launched against me, God will turn back and use it for good and shove it right back in his face. Amen? Come on. It took them three days to collect the bounty that was left behind. They called that place the Valley of Blessing. I love it. They say, you know what? We're just going to honor God. Don't put the most fierce warriors in the front of the army. Get the singers. Bethany, come over here real quick. Get the singers and put them up in front. Brian, come up here too. Get the singers and put them up. Now, I know that Brian is an incredible musician and he has musical skills, but let's just say this. The the fight is supposed to go down in the parking lot and someone's like, meet me in the parking lot. Let's go. Who do you choose to fight for you? You get to choose one person to go fight with you. Do you choose Brian, who's swole patrol and can break me in half? Or do you choose Bethany, who's the cutest thing you've ever seen? And you're just going to stand there and be like, hi, you know, like, who do you choose to go battle with you? 
But when you're Jehoshaphat, you look and you go, man, you know, I, I, let's pretend we don't know Brian's an incredible gifted musician who sings and worships God. Let's just pretend he's Joe Schmo Brian who's just big and swole. You, but you don't realize if you're Jehoshaphat, you put this one in front of you because she's going to worship God and she's going to sing and she's going to declare the goodness of God and God's going to send ambushes against the enemy because when you see the warship out on the west coast by Camp Pendleton, all of a sudden God comes rushing into your world and you begin to realize your worship releases warships dispatched against the enemy. Amen? You may be saying that. So good. Whew. Here's the bottom line. When we battle, our crosshairs are not on the enemy, they're on Jesus. That's why I had to wear my, my marked by Mark by love jacket tonight, you know, because we threw the crosshair on this. The whole point of this whole thing was my crosshairs are going to be fixed on him. Because this isn't about, how oh, the enemy's coming against me, so I'm going to put him right in my scope so that I could shoot him. It's not like that. You put your scope right on Jesus, and you keep your target fixated on him. Because it's then, Peter, that you'll walk on water. It's then that you won't fall astray. It's then that your mind stays focused on what is right and what is good and what is beneficial. Fix your eyes on these things, and you will not fall. You're not going to slip into the junk. David's understanding of beloved identity coupled with an expression of passionate worship became a powerful combo for him. See, there's a story about how there was a tormenting spirit that was bothering King Saul, and David is summoned to play his harp in the presence of King Saul. So he gets there, he's playing this harp. Let's read it in verse 23 of 1 Samuel 16. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play his harp, and then Saul would feel better. And the tormenting spirit would go away. What an incredible picture. I don't know about you, but if you're the one that's being tormented by the spirit, don't, don't you want to bring, bring in all the prayer warriors? Bring in the prophetic intercessors. And we're going to cast this demon out of here. Ah! No, David's just sitting over there with a harp of all instruments. Like the pinnacle of, of like feminine instruments. Like, and he's just like, no, no, no. You know, just like playing the harp, you know. And he's just going, and guess what? In the midst of the anointing that he's releasing through his worship, he drives demons out of kings. And it wasn't about screaming at the devil. It was about fixing his eyes, just like he used to worship the Lord on the backside of some hill tending to the sheep. He now worships the Lord in the presence of the king and drives demons out of him. How's that for warfare? I remember when I was a youth pastor, there was a kid who had just started coming to our youth ministry, and people came up to me in the middle of the service and said, you might want to go to the back of the room and see what's going on, because so-and-so is like freaking out right now. And we're like, what are you talking about? So I get back there, and there's someone that's having a demonic manifestation in the middle of the service. So I'm like, oh, fun. So, hey guys, like, what's going on? And we realized this wasn't going to be like a super quick kind of thing, so we took him out of the room, and we went over into the prayer room, and this guy's going crazy. He's banging his head on chairs, he's flipping things, he's screaming, it takes like three guys to kind of corral him back into another room so we're not distracting the service. So we get back there, and everybody, well-meaning people, all well-meaning, they're there like, in Jesus' name, shut da 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 ba shut da like, we're trying to get this demon under control going all crazy. And so we get into the room, and we're like, whoa, 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 like, maybe it doesn't need to be this wild. And my wife, Ashley, I'm not sure if she was my wife at the time, maybe my fiance, she gets there into the room, and she's like, hey, and, and, and people, they're like, demon, tell me your name, spirit of evil. 
evil and ah, and they're going all crazy. And Ashley's like, I don't care what the stinking demon's name is. It's about your name, Papa. It's about your name. So she starts worshiping, going, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And starts releasing the fragrance of worship. And guess what? I'm looking right into these kids' eyes that were literally black. His whole eyes were like black with this crazy look upon his face. And within a matter of moments, it melted away just like that to the point where he's like, where am I and what's going on? Because he was in this like demonic episode. And he totally gets set free. I'm able later to minister to him and to pour into him and to find out the doors that he had opened up into his life that was a spiritual thing and created sin in his life that opened the door to the devil and all this kind of stuff. But he ended up getting discipled and poured into and loves God and it was awesome. But the whole point of the story was it wasn't about screaming at the demon. It was about worshiping Jesus. And that released a warfare that was 10,000 times more effective. And sometimes I feel like we just want to scream at demons. And we just want to scream at the people that don't understand our church. And we just want to scream at the church leadership that doesn't recognize my gift and doesn't put a mic in my hand and make me get up there to preach or get up there to sing my song that I wrote. And they won't let me lead my ministry. And I'm going to scream at this and scream at that and attack this. And we take all our offenses upon our shoulders instead of turning to God and saying, Jesus, I just trust you. Would you go and fight this battle? Would you help me to understand? Would you help me to trust you? God, maybe my life has gone into a tailspin because of COVID-19, but God, I trust you. You're going to fight for me. I may have lost my job, but you're going to fight for me. I may be broke as a joke, but you're going to fight for me. And so instead of getting mad and hashing out and listening to the news all day and listening to the news outlet that's going to agree with your argument, instead, shut all that off and put some worship music on and get alone with the Father. And if you'll begin to release the fragrance of worship as you honor God and you worship Him, He will dispatch warships against the enemy on your behalf. Amen. I close with this thought. Maybe, Brian, you can come up. And I remember being with my wife, and we got a phone call that our family was falling apart, and there had been sin in the family and was destroying a marriage, and everything was in disarray. And it was like, hey, get down here now because <laughs> some stuff's going down. And so we hopped in the car as quickly as we could, and we took off. And guess what? We didn't know what to say. We didn't know what to pray. We didn't know what to declare and all those things. What we knew how to do was how to worship. So that's what we did. And we put our favorite songs on and we just honored God as we drove to our family's house. And we worshiped him at the top of our lungs because we didn't know what we were about to step into. And it was a battlefield we were stepping into. And let me tell you, when we got there and we stepped into that scenario, we stopped in saturated with the presence of Jesus. We stepped in level-headed. We stepped in with our emotions under control. We stepped in with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. All these wonderful things were surrounding our spirit, man, because we worship God. We said, God, you know how to fight this battle. At this point, it wasn't about 
this person's right, this person's wrong, and this person did this, and ah, all the different accusations we could throw at each other. And so I'm going to choose. It wasn't about any of that. It was about Jesus, won't you just come and bring a supernatural peace? And don't you just know that all the, all the demons in hell in that moment were just trying to shake the cage, just trying to rile everybody up even more. Yeah, get mad. Yeah, get mad. Throw this. Hit that person. Do this thing. Say that thing that you can't take back. Shaking the cage. Shaking the cage. Just trying to get everything crazy. And then all of a sudden, peace steps into the situation. Because we've been worshiping Jesus, honoring him. Every single night when I pray over my kids, I pray that God would make them into a prophetic, warring worshiper, filled with the Spirit of God, walking in power and the adoration of God. Notice how it's a warring worshiper, not a worship, worshiping warrior. Because if you're a worshiping warrior, your identity is in the fact that you're the warrior. If you're a warring worshiper, your identity is in the fact that you're a worshiper. You carry that. So I pray that over my kids. You guys are going to fight differently. I can't imagine the battles that my kids are going to have to face. I don't know what their, their warfare is going to have to be like. But what I'm learning is that I fight so much better like this. I fight so much better like this. And so I want for my kids that when they have to face intense situations where they have to go and battle, they don't scream and fight and do all the let's hold more picketing signs and let's get in each other's faces like generations that I'm a part of and generations before me have done but they would fight like this Papa you know what you're doing I trust you help me give me wisdom so in fact I just want to pray and for these last couple of moments just worship with you Father I'm asking that tonight in the mighty name of Jesus as we worship you you would release warships against the enemy. Send ambushes against the enemy as we honor you. Thank you, God, that we fight differently. No one messes with my dad. And I love that my dad says, no one messes with my kids. So we worship you. Jesus, you're beautiful. You're lovely, magnificent, powerful, and strong. You're glorious, God. We honor you, majestic King of the universe and the King of my heart. Your grandeur, there is no comparison. We thank you for who you are, God. You're beautiful and mighty. You're my provider, God. You're my healer, my restorer, my righteousness, and my salvation. We thank you tonight, Jesus. We enter into your courts with thanksgiving and praise. We delight in you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I'm praying, God, that for every single person that's facing trial right now, they would begin to war by praising you, warring through their worship, and that you would change the tides of the battles because of how they honor you in the place of worship. Come do what you do best. In Jesus' name. Why don't you guys just worship as Brian leads us? Whatever you need to do. Here I am, I'm down on my knees again, surrendering all. 
I wanna know 